Hi guys, welcome back to the Rainy Days podcast. They got special guest, Proper Mental Podcast. So join us yourself, mate. Yeah, sure. My name is Tom and I'm the host of the Proper Mental Podcast. So what, what do you do on your podcast then? So I speak to a different guest each week about a different aspect of uh, mental health, mental illness or mental well-being. And I suppose the aim is a, a few different things, really. The main aim is to have relatable conversations about mental health and mental illness. And uh, sometimes I'll fa- I'll speak to someone who's like an expert in a certain area of, um, of maybe like wellness, you know, and they'll guide me through something, maybe something mm-hmm. like yoga or meditation, medication, anything like that. And then that's the aim, really, is to kind of provide a, a resource, you know, so people can learn about different diagnosis. They can learn about different people's stories. They can hear people that hopefully look like them or sound like them, uh, you know, tell stories that they can relate to. So they feel okay. less alone and feel seen. And um, yeah, I've kind of, I suppose, yeah, compiling a, a resource for people to, to go through if they so need it. Really interesting. So what kind of got you into it? So what's your background? So I um, struggled with my mental health for a long, long time. I had a breakdown in 2016 and another one again in 2020. Okay. Um, I kind of, I suppose, I, I, I don't really like the term breakdown because it implies this sort of big explosive EastEnders-style dramatic yeah, thing that happened. Um, it was much more of a slow burn. But um, yeah, but that's kind of what happened. And as I, was, as I was getting better, I was kind of in the process of recovery. I overheard someone on uh, Instagram, quite a well-known person, talking about his own experiences with, uh, with mental health and with suicide. And up until that point, I'd never heard anyone speak openly about mental health. I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know what was... Uh, what had been happening to me. I didn't know what was going on. And um, hearing this this guy talk, uh, that was the first time I was like, wow, he's, he's talking about me. And for the first oh, time wow. in a long time, I hadn't, I didn't feel alone, you know. I didn't feel like some yeah, sort of, of outcast or like something weird was happening to me that I had to keep a secret. I was like, wow, there's a guy here who's been very honest, very open, big platform talking about this stuff. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, and at that, at that time, I hadn't really told anyone that I was uh, that I was poorly. I, my wife knew and my therapist knew, and that was about it. I was very much keeping it to myself. And I kind of, the power of that conversation, I banked it. I wasn't ready to do anything with it at the time, but I banked it. Okay. And a bit further down the line, when I was better, and with like a lot of people who have struggled, I kind of got to a place where I wanted to hold space for other people. I felt I wanted to just do something in some way to contribute to the, to the conversation. And, um, you know, I'm not... I'm not the sort of person to kind of like run loads of marathons and raise loads of money and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, of that's course. Not really, that's not really for me. Okay. But I am a good, I am a good talker. And so I kind of, um, I started off with a friend of mine and we kind of make these videos that we were, the plan was originally to put them up on YouTube. And uh, we had a lot of fun doing it and it kind of evolved into a podcast. And I was very reluctant to do one at first. I kind of thought, well, the, the last thing the world needs is to sort of, to, white blokes in their late 30s chatting about mental health on a podcast you know it's kind of enough with them but um we had to do something with it so that's what we did yeah. and uh after the first few episodes uh like my friend he, he can commit to the process but i was hooked i just absolutely uh absolutely loved it so i kind of ran with it and we're still still going strong now mate. basically same story of us really what brainy days we started of two of us and now it's just me doing it and it's just talking to people about their mental health it's always interesting to hear from other people's perspectives, what they've gone through. So what, can you mind talking through about like, your, your mental health journey? Like what kind of got you to this point? Yeah, sure. Well, in 2016, my son was born. 
Okay. And that was when I uh, really started to struggle. And I can't. I know now from from therapy and from doing the work, as they say, that um, I'd been poorly for a long time, for a long, long time mm. up until that point. Um, and I've probably been experiencing blips, shall we say, with my mental health, probably since my teenage years at least. Uh, but yeah, 2016, my son was born and that was kind of, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, that was, uh, yep. I think my life was so full of just stuff. My head was so full at that point, it couldn't absorb something as massive as, as having a child. Um, and that's when the sort of, that's when the wheels came off. Um, and uh, yeah, life got pretty hard. Lots of stress, lots of tears, lots of anger, lots of sadness, lots of numbness. And that went on for a long time. And it got okay. to kind of the end of 2017. So it probably carried on for a year and a bit. And my wife um, sat me down. She was pregnant again. We were about to have another baby. We had two really close Oh, wow, together, congratulations. Which, <laughs> well, it didn't, uh, yeah, it probably didn't help matters having another one straight after. No. Um, but yeah, we um, yeah we went on a little holiday with the three of us before we became a four, and um, we were up late chatting one night. And she said, "Look, you're not well. You know, there's something you are not right. You're not like behaving like the man I married, and you know maybe you could get some help." And um, I kind of did. I told her I would, and I kind of got some help. I started taking the, the the process a bit more seriously. I started doing lots of yoga. I started some therapy, and just kind okay. of flir- flirted with it really. Um, and it, it didn't help, you know, because I wasn't really committing to it. I wasn't really doing anything. I was saying I was doing it and I wasn't doing it. Um, so I just carried on. Um, but because I told my wife I was going to take better care of myself, well, I had, to, I, couldn't, I had to hide. I had to hide the darkness then, you know. I had to hide the fact that I was ill. Yeah, of course. And I just pushed it down and pushed it away. And um, Yeah, it kind of got worse and worse, really. December 2017 uh, was the first time I left the house with the intention of taking my own life. That was... Um, would have been right. a few days before Christmas that year. And um, and it didn't happen for a lot of reasons. It, it didn't happen that particular day. Um, but things kind of carried on in that vein, really, for for a long time. Um, but that sort of, that Christmas, that was scary enough to get me deeper into therapy. And I kind of did enough work maybe to steady the ship for a little while. Um, okay. And I just kind of carried on, really, falling on and off and, having really, really bad times and some okay times and just kind of like muddled through for another few years. Um, 2020, pandemic hits, we go into lockdown and I was one of those lucky people that um, I was just, I was made for lockdown. It was was a really nice experience for me. And I got to slow things down and I got to think about how I'd been living my life up until that point and I got to kind of think a lot and work a lot of stuff out and I kind of realised that I'd been living life in a very inauthentic way. And that was one of the reasons why my mental health had collapsed. Um, and then at the end of at the end of the lockdown, the world started back up again, and I had to jump back into my old life—the life that I just yeah, spent course. the best part of four months working out. You know, didn't really work for me. So I jumped back in, and it didn't work at all. And I just I just broke. And um, yeah, things got things got really dark, really dark, really really quick. Um, and I, yeah, I was in therapy. And uh, I was trying the best to look after myself, but it just wasn't working. And I was doing everything, mate. I was doing absolutely everything. You name it. Everything people tell you is good for your mental health. I was doing it, and none of it worked. None at all. Okay. Um, and I kind of got to a place where I thought, well, like I'm, I'm done. You know, I can't. You know, I can't keep putting my wife through this. I can't keep putting my kids through this. Um, um yeah, I'm done. I've got to go. I kind of put this plan together. I picked a date. My family are from Wales and um, I live near Liverpool. So I kind of like made uh, made up this excuse to go and visit my family. Basically, I was going okay. to 
say goodbye to my wife and kids here and I was going to drive down to Wales um, and then when I have the weekend there and when I say goodbye to my parents and my family, when I drove back up, I'd have this little window of time where I'd said goodbye to everyone in my life that was important to me um, yeah. and my plan was to was to end it on the, on the way home. And, um, very luckily, the day before I left, um, I sat down and had a conversation with my auntie who's a nurse and um, she worked in occupational health and she kind of okay. spotted the signs and... Um, yeah, we had talked about mental health before. Well, she tried to talk to me about it before, and I just told her, no, it doesn't matter, I'm okay. fine. But, um, yeah, and we had a bit of a chat, and she started talking about medication. And up until this point, I'd really strongly uh, resisted it for all the stereotypical reasons. Yeah, of um, course. But she kind of got me thinking, you know, and I thought, well, if I'm going to take my own life, I need to be able to tell my children that Daddy tried everything. And uh, medication was the only thing I hadn't tried. So um, I decided to put a pin in my plan and to try meds. And if things weren't better in, you know, a month, six weeks or whatever, then I was going to, then that was it then. I had everything I needed. And um, I tried medication and I was very lucky it worked very, very quickly. And um, wow. it was a, like a, a massive, a massive turnaround. It had a very positive impact. And because I'd spent the last best part of a year doing all the stuff that's positive for your mental health, all that stuff kicked in quite quick. And yeah, and I, I rebounded quite quick, really. And then it was just a case of... Um, just putting everything together, you know, processing what happened, what I've been through. Yeah, of course. Um, and that's that's still, I'm still very deep in that process now, you know. I tend to do a bit and then I'll have a few months off where I just live my life and then decide it's time to kind of do a bit more digging and I'll jump back into therapy and, uh, and explore a little bit, you know. But that's kind of, yeah, in a wow. very long answer, that's, uh, that's where <laughs> we are. That kind of, uh, yeah, that's my story. That's really interesting because uh, coming from a psychology background, normally it's the opposite way around. People go straight on medication and then they find the medication kind of brings them down, but then therapy brings them up. I don't think I've ever met someone who's had the opposite effect. So that's really quite interesting. <laughs> cool. go well, for yeah, it. Like, I, I, was, um, I was just really reluctant. You know, all I'd heard was horror stories, um, you know, of, yeah, of course. not working and horrible side effects and, you know, weight gain and people getting stuck on it for yeah. 10 years yep, and all yep. the rest of it. And, yep. um, when you don't want something to happen, then you'll listen to any excuse. So some of these people that were giving me medical advice, I wouldn't take like nutrition advice off them or, you know, safety oh, okay. advice or, it, yeah, yeah, you know course. what I mean? There, 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 there was no yeah, reason yeah. for me to listen to them. Um, I never actually spoke to a doctor. Uh, so, but oh, wow. yeah, I think I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to happen. As soon as I admitted that I was ill, then I was going to have to deal with it. You know, and I didn't want to deal with it scared i was scared of telling people that i was uh, depressed and i was anxious and i was thinking about taking my own life you know i didn't want to admit that out loud i wanted it all to go away and i think um speaking to a doctor and making it official would have uh, you know i didn't want that to happen you know so i just resisted it resisted it resisted it mm. and um yeah I did, to some extent i kind of I'm going through the reverse process now i'm actually in the process of coming off my medication i'm tapering them off okay for a, for a couple of months and um I, I got to a point where I needed to know that my thoughts were my own. You know, okay. I needed to yeah, yeah. be able to trust my thoughts and my feelings. And even if those some of those thoughts were really dark and really bleak, I needed to know that they were coming from me. And I was worried if I took medication that it would kind of get in the way, you know, that it would mask yeah. something or, I don't know, I'm not even quite sure how to describe it now but it's the same reason i'm coming off you know I've, uh, i kind of i need to get to a place where i can stand on my own two feet and know what i'm feeling is real and that it's coming from me 
and that it's not being tweaked or, or you know, played okay. with yeah, makes by, sense. Uh, no, it makes sense. by a medicine. Yeah. I think that's the thing you hear a lot of from people who have go on medication for especially depression. They kind of get intrusive thoughts. They get more suicidal because they're so they expect it to kind of go straight away up. And the, as I'm sure you were aware, because you were doing all the other stuff with it, you probably didn't feel that drop as heavily as a lot of people would. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That makes when I say I was doing everything, mate. Like <laughs> no one, I I've got a very obsessive nature. I'm one of those okay. people. Like if I say I'm going to do something, put your mortgage on it. I don't sign up to much, but if I say I'm going to do something, it happens that's just how it is and um when i decided i was going to get well i just sort of just took self-care to a new um, a new level you know probably to the point where there's yeah. nothing nothing good about it you know if i was going to meditate i was going to meditate within an inch of my life you know and i'd sit on the beach in the rain and just put hours on end and you know if i was going to go for a run i'd run for miles until i was dropping you know if i was going to do yoga it was ashtanga yeah. you know straight in at the deep end it was um really really aggressive you know um so i'd kind of throw myself at these things um in the name of self-care but i think a lot of it was just a way of kind of channeling the the self-hatred and the low self-esteem you know i was kind yeah. of punishing myself with wellness and then when it didn't work i could say well it's my fault it doesn't work it's because i'm a piece of shit do you know what i mean it was like that it fed, yeah, it fed that that in a monologue right it kind of fed that voice yeah definitely head. It's interesting. So a lot of people report very similar things of going to the gym, don't they? In a sense that they'll get very heavily into fitness and then suddenly the goals they're getting just aren't good enough. What they're doing isn't good enough, but it's not because, you know, they're not using it as a therapy. They're using, as you say, it's a way to beat themselves up. And a lot of yeah. people will channel that kind of negative energy into something like what you said with self-help. That's a big problem with this self-help kind of um, dialogue that people are having with themselves. It's kind of like you see a lot of people on Instagram that say, Oh, have a green tea, go for a walk do this but the second you do that and you don't feel better you start to feel that you are the problem as opposed to the self-help method yeah very much so yeah you know i used to see things on instagram and it'd be like you know our going cold water swimming you know cures depression and i'd be like i'm not safe to be around water you know people say i'll just go for a run it's good for your mental health so i can't be around traffic you know like I'm, I'm i'm fighting here to to not do something very very stupid and i, I can't okay. be running along yeah. sides of busy roads you know no that makes um, sense it was just uh yeah so i think there's a lot of stuff that's very good for maintaining good mental health and maintaining good mental well-being but when you're in it when you're ill that stuff do you know what i mean you can't go look, brushing your teeth's a challenge you know let alone yeah, getting I your running shoes agree. on and getting out the door you know it's uh it's where I suppose we, we talk very much in these blanket terms now, you know, we say mental health, you know, I'm struggling with my mental health, but I don't know if you like, I don't know if you had a, if you had a cold or COVID or something, you wouldn't go to the doctor and say, I'm struggling with my physical health. You know, you'd say, I no. have a cold, you know, you'd use the specific yeah. words to describe what was going on. And I think when we say things are good for mental health, what we mean is that it's, you know, just quite good at being, for being healthy and it's quite good for mental well-being, but it's not yeah. necessarily good for when you're mentally ill. There's a, a, a fine line and a big difference at the same time. I think that's a good distinction to make in a sense that I recently went onto Twitter, which is probably one of my biggest mistakes because if you search mental health, anything there, it's just so, it's very much yes or no. 
like I saw this post the other day. I think I put it on Twitter, so I found it entertaining. It was a picture like of a minion, I think, and it was like, oh, don't just don't just relax. Go for your life full front. Don't sleep this much. Do everything. I'm thinking if you tell someone who's mentally ill, you're gonna burn them out to death. Like they're gonna go, I'll do this to 100. And you're like, oh, don't think about others. Do it for yourself. You're like. You're literally teaching people to ignore people, not do things properly. It's just amazing. And I do think yeah. that distinction between what can be good for mental health, mental wellness, as you put, has to be just distinguished from mental illness on a mental disorder. Like, again, if you put, say, for example, someone who's schizophrenic, oh, you know, if, why don't you try this medication? This might help you because it helps them. It might interact completely differently. Or, or what was the one I saw about? There was a thing that's like, oh yeah, you should try LSD if you're if you're feeling depressed. I was thinking, if you give that to someone a psychosis, you're going to drive them insane. Like, it's, it's making it worse. Yeah, very much so. And like, the scary thing is that when people are struggling, they sometimes look for help in the strangest places. You know? Oh, so definitely. When you're, yeah. when you're thinking logically, when you're thinking with a well brain, then it's like, well, of course, I'm not going to take some advice off some dickhead on Twitter. But when you're when you're desperate. You know, when um, when you're hanging on for dear life by your fingertips, you kind of try anything. You know, I, I used to sit up through the night Googling flights to Peru to try it, you know, go and do oh, wow. Alaska. And, you know, I was, I was about just to looking, bring that up. Yeah. I was just looking for help everywhere. You know, I was absolutely, um, absolutely anywhere. I, I couldn't have done all that. I was too anxious to get on a plane. Do you know what I mean? I was, there was yeah, absolutely course. no chance I was making it to Peru. But the idea that somewhere out there there was a, a lifeline was like you know i was obsessed with finding it and yeah if someone had offered if i'd have seen something on you know on twitter if i was in a minion trying to sell me something on twitter i might have bought it you know? <laughs> i laugh that's a massive problem at the moment especially after the lockdown where a lot of people are kind of coming to terms with the fact that they're struggling with mental health problems or they may have a mental disorder after seeing someone but then they're like subscribing to all these informations like i saw recently so i made a really good post on um self-harm and stuff like that so I didn't really understand this because I've never been someone who was doing self-harm competitively because that's apparently a, a cultural or like a community thing. But apparently certain social medias are now banning self-harm pictures because it inspires competitivity. Sorry, competitive, yeah, competition between people. Because if you see someone who's like, I don't know, teaches you how to do a self-harm method, say, oh, I cut myself or, oh, I burnt myself. If someone goes, oh, this helped me, someone who's in that state might go, oh, I'll try this. Then it doesn't work. So they then try something more severe. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. It's, um, it's complicated, right? It's complicated. You know, some people's way of, you know, asking for help or you know, signaling that they need some support might be posting those things, you know? So when we say you can't, well, it takes away a a, a coping mechanism. It might not be a positive or useful one, but at the same time, yeah, very much, you know, it's something when I, um, when I talk about suicides in my own story and when I talk to people on my podcast, you know, I never talk about methods, you know, I never talk about my plans. I never, never go into it because, you know, you don't want to give people ideas. No, you no, definitely get, not. get people thinking so yeah it's um it's always tricky right it's always tricky you kind of have to aim for the middle ground which is i think is why we fall into the traps of using blanket terms like mental health you know because yeah, it's, definitely. it's safe right and you, we kind of know what each other mean if we say it but um you know i think we've just got to be i suppose more nuanced you know and think about who you're talking to and when and what's appropriate when and just kind of just just do your best to have uh, compassion for the conversation 
I think it's kind of interesting in the world of mental health. Like, if you if you just if you're curiosity, if you go on Twitter and just do like hashtag any mental health disorder, the information you find on it, it's like it's quite disturbing. Like, for example, I've I've got features of borderline, most likely meeting for diagnosis of borderline personality disorder. And the second I typed it in, I got told I was narcissistic, manipulative, cruel, horrible, all these things. I was thinking, if I was in a more vulnerable mood and a vulnerable state, I'm going to feel absolutely shit about myself. And the fact that you search that one thing, and you said before, like kind of distinguishing between mental health and mental health disorder, but all this information is really easily available to basically make you feel like shit if you Google these things. Yeah, completely. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, so you look at something like yep. BPD and it's it's one of the most stigmatized and complex illnesses out yep. there, right? Like the, the diagnose to get diagnosed, as it sounds like you, you're, you're well aware, mm-hmm. Jason, you know, it's like, it's hard. It's really, yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> so if, yeah. So for someone like, you know, I mean, putting up posts where you just kind of like, you know, describing these negative personality traits and pass, passing it off as a mental illness is just, um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's wrong, man. It's not cool. It's not good. It's quite interesting. So I got um I got a few messages when I so I made a post about borderline personality disorder. I think at the moment it's my most popular one. So I got about four hundred and ten likes, and I got private messages telling me that I was wrong. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you mean? So I was following the DSM. I was following the so the ICD ten. So very known things. I was looking at other people's stuff relating it to what I've experienced. But I was being told I was wrong. And saying that oh everyone with BPD is evil and manipulative. Oh, have you seen Amber Heard? It's like you you can't just label people with a mental health disorder because they're not a nice person in this one context. Yeah. Like even in that situation, there are so many factors to look into. You can't just go straight. Okay, they're like this because of this. Yeah, very much so. It's why it's important to you know to speak to people about mental illness. You know because this in the whole conversation is this. If you think of like depression and anxiety, like the poster children. So there was a time yeah, when there was like there was loads of stigma around depression, loads of stigma around anxiety, and people just didn't talk about BPD or bipolar or anything. Right? No, it just, no, no it just didn't get talked about. Now we, you know, we can talk about depression. You know, now there's not that amount of stigma about it. Right? If someone's off with depression, the majority of people are going to have a certain level of like compassion for them. You know, there's at least yeah, going to be an under, and kind of even if they don't like believe it or whatever it's kind of going to be left alone. So the stigma's just moved on now. It's just moved further down to uh, other different illnesses. They've just spread the stigma around. But that's why we need to talk about these things, right? That's why we need to put posts out and do podcasts and talk about BPD and talk about bipolar and talk about schizophrenia and stuff like that because it, there's so much crossover with like all Definitely. these illnesses. There's some sort of crossover. And we always think that from the outside looking in, people who don't know anything about this stuff, they always think that it's, that it's like a separate madness, you know, like it's some sort of lunacy. When it's not, it's emotions and thoughts and feelings that every human being has, they're just on steroids. They're just turned up to 25 yeah. sometimes, you know, and and that's that's all it is. It's, uh, but people think it's like a separate thing. It's like some sort of like lunacy, craziness that we kind of see in the, used to see in the movies, you know. But again, that's why we need to, people work, needed voices to be heard right so like um so we can we can learn from each other and we can try and understand this this stuff i definitely agree also i i love the word lunacy do you know what it actually comes from in a sense of how old that term is no i don't know so i found this out recently so it's basically something to do with the control of the moon manipulating your emotions and feelings that's where it comes from lunacy which i find amazing that 
that this word's still used or like madness is used, which was a term to, well, describe anything that wasn't normal in a sense. And all these things you find out about how people speak. It's like I was speaking to someone recently how there's now another interesting thing. If you type in bipolar on Instagram, the first things that come up is weather and um, people. And it's always like weather, always bipolar weather. And it's the most trending hashtag on Instagram for bipolar. Right, okay. Wow. And it was fascinating to learn because obviously that's a very, very serious mental health condition. Or Sorry, bipolar is more neurological, but in this sense. But that is still a thing. And there is that association of linguistics of a very specific topic being used everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. It's tricky, isn't it? It's, you know, yep. there's, there's some terms that have just drifted into our everyday life and we now use them completely out of context. And, you know, I do think we have to be mindful of that, you know, um, because it's it's upsetting. It, it, like, it takes away from someone's experience, you know. It yeah, exactly. It um... someone's experience, you know. It's just, an, and it's lazy. You know, it is lazy. But then at the same time, we've got to accept that it happens, right? So I was speaking to a yeah, guy um, recently called uh, Chris Young, and he's an advocate for BPD, as it goes, funnily enough. And um, one thing he was, he refers to himself as a, as a lunatic. His, his book is called something like Tales of a Wonderful oh, wow. Loon. Um, he walked around the edge of the UK, um, completely unsupported, no money, no nothing, relying on the kindness of strangers, but he made sure that he told wow. them all that he had... BPD, because the idea was to show that, you know, he wasn't what everyone thought the stereotypical version of it was. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great yeah. book. Um, and he was saying when he was walking around, if people were using some of this terminology, he said he didn't didn't pull them up on it at all. He said he didn't care. He said because oh, wow. he you can choose whether to be offended by something. And he was like, well, if I pull them up, if they, you know, refer to being mentally ill as being nuts or you know something like that he was like well if i pull them up on it the first thing they're going to do is leave this conversation and i want people to be in this conversation i want to have this conversation you know it's like it's a a, you know a a saying of mine i picked up from a guest i spoke to a guy called chris hemmings he said to me on an episode i did with him he said don't call people out call people in and that stuck with me so much you know because as soon as you start calling people out they leave the conversation you know, they leave the conversation. Yeah, that's so it's true. knowing it's knowing when. It's knowing when to say and how to say, ah, oh, you know, kind of don't really use that phrase anymore or, you know, can you not say that please? Or sometimes just sort of turn in a blind eye and say, Do you know what, we're getting into it. And this is someone who would not have engaged in this conversation. If they want to refer to me as being mad or nuts or something, then I'll then I'll take it, you know. It's uh it's a it's a fine line. It's the the, the conversation's yeah. just nuanced all the way through, isn't it? You know? I think that's a big problem with a lot of things in a sense of that nuance that you talk about. Like one of the more recent ones that well, I know about is people being referred to as autistic as an insult, which has always been interesting to me. Because obviously autism is a very, well, it's probably one of the most peculiar neurodevelopmental disorders there ever will be because there's so much variety and difference between the people. Like the fact they got rid of low functioning and high functioning because there is no way to categorize, categorize inner categorize, sorry, people with autism into different subcategories because it's just impossible now. But like you say, in a sense, if someone says, oh, that's being you're being autistic kind of thing, if you then, I guess it's a different situation because it's being plainly used as an insult. It is an insult, yeah, yeah, which is um, which is shit, which is not not cool. Yeah, yeah. so there's that nuance again, right? It's, uh, yeah, exactly. It's complicated. So, so, so complicated, yeah. But, you know, all we can do is try as well because I think if we become too regimented on the language, then 
we scare people off. And I think so many of the big topics, you know, whether it's mental health, mental illness, race, gender, you know, sexual identity, all these things. I think people, a lot of people are so scared of getting it wrong that they don't engage in the conversation. Yeah, no, completely so agree. scared of maybe phrasing something wrong or maybe they don't understand something. And rather than saying, I don't really know what that means, could you understand it? Could you explain it to me? They're so scared of getting cancelled, essentially, that people don't want to engage, you know, and, you know, the, the things are, they're, they're going to change a lot slower if we're not engaging, you know, more people in the conversation. So, yeah, it's just tricky, man. It's just really, uh, really tricky. I think that's in a sense with a lot of those conversations, as much an internal problem as it is external, because if, if someone says, oh, a difference between saying, I don't know, using a sexual identity as an, an insult versus saying, oh, what does this mean kind of thing? I guess it's kind of having to determine where the level is where you have to say, okay, don't say that versus, okay, I'm going to let you say that and let's talk about it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, don't get me wrong here. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, um, I haven't got time for anyone using any of these words as insults, right? I'm no, talking much not. more about in the, uh, just, just conversation, I suppose, just in, in having chats, you know, and there'll always be, and some people deserve to get called out and they'll always be yeah. like mean and nasty and horrible people. And, you know, I, I, they, yeah, well, that's a, probably a whole different conversation, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. Supposed to focusing much more on the uh, on the on the day to day rather than the extremes, I suppose. Well, yeah, definitely. I think the average person isn't trying to be insulting; they just may not understand the topic. Versus, if someone is directly using it as an insult or just being horrible for the sake of being horrible, it's kind of that distinction between how you respond. Yeah, very much so, mate. Very much so indeed. Yeah. Just out of curiosity then, so based on what you experienced, what would you say, if, say for example, you could go back to your prior self, your self in the past, what's one thing you would say and one thing you'd ask to change? Wow, I wish I'd spoke to my GP sooner. Yeah. Very much so. You know, I was poorly for four years before I even went down that route. And now, you know, any any good advocate or signposter or website that has resources on will tell you to contact your GP. I didn't know it was a thing. I had no idea that you could contact your uh, GP for for, for like for feeling like you were going crazy. It just wasn't on my my radar at all. Um, I'm quite lucky like with my physical health, you know, I'm quite lucky. I've never really, you know, don't particularly have to visit the doctor or anything like that. I've probably been like twice in the last 30 years or something. So, it's um, you know, it's just not something I thought to do. It just it didn't occur to me at all that that was that was the way to go. You know, um, so yeah, I wish I'd done that sooner. I'd probably tell younger me to to speak to a doctor, to speak to someone. You know, I wasn't yeah, of course. telling anyone, mate. I wasn't. You know, even the people for a long time, the people I was talking to, I wasn't telling the truth. I was holding stuff back. You know, I wasn't okay. giving my wife the full picture. I was in therapy and holding back. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, it was. Um, yeah, just to, I don't know, I tell him to be kind to himself, commit to the process and ask ask for help, ask for help. You know, I always thought if I if I spoke up, then like I, I just had these visions of me. I'm self-employed, right? And I thought all the people I work with would not want to work with me. I thought my yeah. wife would leave me. I thought social services would take my children off me. I thought I'd get locked up, you know. I thought I'd get taken away yeah, of and locked in a hospital the keys thrown away and I, I didn't say anything. And when I did start talking about it, you know, and I managed to, to get well, well, like funnily enough, I became a much better husband and I became a much yeah. better father and I became much better at my job, you know, I became a much better coach. And 
you know, all the things that I was scared of happening, the exact opposite happened. You know, it deepened oh, wow. my relationship with my family. It deepened my relationship with other people. You know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, and I think that would be my advice to me and to anyone really. So, yeah, speak okay. out sooner, man. Speak out sooner. Fair enough. One more question, because obviously it's always interesting to hear. Do you think, as a like, as a man, do you think it was diff- more difficult for you to find help or to reach out at that point in time? Um, I don't think so. No, okay. not as a not as a man. I only kind of found out about the stigma around men- mental health when I, you know, started podcasting and chatting to oh, advocates wow. for men- mental health. I didn't really wasn't really on my radar at all. I, I didn't know what mental health was. You know, I, I really oh yeah, of course, didn't know what it was. And I'm not like, I'm not a blokey bloke, you know, I'm not a man's man. There, there was no like, you know, all these things that men, they want to, men don't talk because they want to appear strong and tough. I don't care about appearing tough, do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, of course. Yoga, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's, course, like yeah. That. it's just not on my radar. I'm not one of these, one of these men that hangs around in pubs, drinking pints, watching football, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of a, uh, so it never really, I don't. I don't really know. I, I couldn't, I still now can't quite find the words for why I didn't want to speak, but I never related it. Maybe on like some deeper level yeah. about masculinity, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, one thing I'm learning from talking to so many people on my podcast is that I don't, I don't think men are as bad at talking as we give them credit no. for. I think men are oh, better. Yeah. I think it's we, it's, we just need the spaces, the spaces to talk you know and I think that's the you know you get a bunch of blokes in a I don't know in a shed building something or walking dogs or you know after a five a side match and sometimes you can't shut them up you know it is about creating the spaces for men to talk and um, a lot of men need permission they need someone to go first you know someone to go first and once they see someone go first then um, then it becomes a comes a lot easier you know there's a lot of amazing organisations out there that have got hundreds of men up and down the country talking once a week Definitely, you know every, yeah. every single week so yeah it's um again it's really really complicated you know it's uh you know it's this whole thing about talking isn't it you know and i mean i just said i'd tell myself to speak up sooner but we tell people yeah, to speak but we don't tell them how <laughs> we don't tell them where we don't tell them when we don't tell them who to you know and i think that's the that's the missing part of the uh, of the conversation like, I think that's really interesting you say that because my so as my job I'm an assistant psychologist so I deal with a lot of clients from different businesses talking about their problems kind of thing and a lot of our clients are like these incredibly like really manly sounding men like they do really heavy construction construction work and stuff like that but they're the ones who will sit there and talk for like 40-50 minutes about how they're feeling about all these problems with their partner and stuff like that but from what I've heard from what they've said they just don't want to talk about it in their friends because like you said that fear of isolation but when it comes to, if you look to the other side of it, when we look at our female, obviously this is based on our clientele because, well, it is. But when we talk to the more female clients, they're, normally their concerns are so based in the home, they can just talk about it casually. Whereas for some reason, a lot of the male clients kind of see it as an external problem, which is really strange. Yeah, yeah. I, crikey, like I say, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't know, really. Do you know what I mean? I, uh, yeah, of course. It, it's... Um, yeah, it is weird. I mean, there's a, a, a clear difference, isn't there, between how how the sexes talk talk about yeah, definitely, and, definitely, and the environment and uh, 
and stuff and stuff like that. And, but again, it's complicated. You know, I kind of think that sometimes we bang that men don't talk from so hard, right? Men don't talk. Men don't talk. Men don't talk. Well, what if you're a man who does talk? Then you start yeah. thinking like, well, you know, what what's what's wrong with me? You know, like it's almost like it it just gets uh, it just gets stranger and stranger. There's, there's there obviously there's a problem with men's mental health, isn't there? Because the statistics are so high. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's for uh, more intelligent people than me to figure out what <laughs> what that means. Oh, that's, that's for course. sure. No, it's just interesting because everyone I've spoken to, like you say, it's because the I think maybe it's just because the atmosphere or the type of people we must be to do podcasts and talk about that kind of thing. But a lot of people, like men, talk about it quite openly. Like you said, are really succinct about it. Like I've had people come in and say, "Oh yeah, I've been through psychosis. I've had drug and juice psychosis. I have tried to kill myself and stuff like this." And they seem to be a lot more, I wouldn't say aware, but like able to talk about it, like a lot easier. Like, for example, you just casually through into conversation, like, oh, yeah, I couldn't go for a walk down the road because, you know, the car's there. I might just walk in front of it kind of thing. But it was such a casual interaction, whereas a lot of people may kind of see that as a really taboo topic. It's, I just find it's interesting. It's like kind of yeah. difference. No, very much so. You know, very much so. I suppose, like, you know, I had to learn to talk like this, you know. Yeah, of course. I had to learn them. Um, I, I think as well in, the, in this sort of medium, there's levels of vulnerability, you know. I, yeah. I kind of like, you know, I can... I can drop into different versions of my of my story depending on the on the platform, you know, as well. Yeah, as, that's uh, very true. You know, but um, you know, I do think that I, I kind of touched on it before, but like leading from the front, right? So if I'm going to have a podcast and say I I'm trying to normalise open and honest conversations about mental health, well, then I've got to go first. You know, yeah, I've got to I've got to go first. I can't hold space for for other people if I'm not committed to the process first. So if I go all in, then they're going to feel that creates the space. That creates the space for them to fall into, you know, if they want to. Because that's another thing for the about the talking conversation is, you know, I think a lot of people think that talking about mental health means that they have to become some sort of advocate, you know, and start yeah. a podcast or get yeah, on stage or and I think yeah. that scares people off and that, you know, it, Talking's really hard, you know, really, really hard. And like when I first started talking more publicly about my mental health, I'd get like a, some sort of like hangover from it almost, you know. You really? know, after really challenging therapy, you have to come home and have a lie down. Oh yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it would be like that, you know. And other times, where I've gone right, that's it now. I'm not, I'm not talking about me. I'm having a month off. You know, I can't keep doing this to myself. You know, you had to, I had to learn my, learn my boundaries. You know, and learn. Um, you know, when to talk and, and how to talk and how often to talk. And yeah, because it is hard, right? It's really, really hard talking about yourself. Yeah, definitely. And being open. But um, it's also harder. I find it a lot easier um, to do this. There's a screen in front of us. Do you know what I mean? We've never met. I don't know you. It's really, yeah, really exactly. easy. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, very easy. Um, I'm also talking to someone that I know is going to understand, you know? So if I was yeah. talking to someone, you know, if I was just going to introduce to a a friend of a friend and we sat around having a coffee and they say oh what did you do last tuesday I, you know <laughs> if it happened <laughs> yeah, i probably would say well oh, no, yeah. in front of a car mate what did you get up to you know like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah you can't really do that yeah yeah so i it's um yeah i suppose it's just one of them things isn't it yeah but it's, it's it is it's fascinating and it's, it's tricky 
It's quite interesting you said about the advocate thing. So a lot of the advertisements you see for mental health, it always is like, oh yeah, be the first person to start the conversation. Be the first person to talk to your friends. And you're right. It is kind of like getting up on that stage in front of people and going, I'm ready to talk about this. When I think, it, like I said before, it should be more of a natural conversation. Like, oh, we've just done this thing kind of thing. How have you been feeling kind of thing? Not like, okay, let's now talk about mental health. How are you feeling now? Have you been suicidal? Here is all the checklist of things I have to check for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because a lot of the things that you know, mental health is—it's not separate from your life, right? So it's no, of normally, not. It, you know, there'll be all these different factors that are going on in your life right now that are contributing to where about your mental health is at, to where your head's at. So sometimes, like you know, sitting around and just having a coffee and just saying, you know, oh, I'm a bit stressed at yeah. work, or you know, like the kids are driving me mad, or you know, all these things we're not supposed to say, you know, because we've got to pretend that we're yeah, like perfect parents and perfect men and all this sort of stuff all the time and yeah sometimes just kind of just chatting through your day and getting things off your chest and just kind of you know just unloading a little bit well that improves your mental health so you know talking is not necessarily there's a lot of it it's that classic thing isn't it you see on social media and it's like you know oh, if you're experiencing symptoms of depression speak up and it's always like black and white with some dude with his yeah, head very his hands so. or screaming into the abyss yeah. I used to say, again, I used to say, if I saw something like that, I'd say, well, that's not me. Do you know what I mean? That's not me. I've been at work yeah. today. I've been I went to yeah. work because that's the, we, we see on, like in the films and stuff, you know, what people are. Yeah, struggling. it's always just like that or they're just like constantly in the corner or yeah. having a mental breakdown where it's like, oh, no, this could be an everyday thing. Yeah, man, I used to go to work, you know, I used to yeah. go to work and, and, and do what I needed to do. And inside I was absolutely crippled, but on the on the outside no one would have guessed you know no one would have no one would have known but you know but why do we have to get to that crisis point why do we have to collapse why yeah. do we have to become a black and white you know face screaming into the abyss when um you know if we can if we can kind of find a way of releasing something out of the valve a little bit before it gets there then um it's going to make a big difference no i definitely agree so obviously coming again from a psychological background and where i'm coming from we're basically taught not to go, oh, are you going to kill yourself now or something? Unless they deliberately say like, oh, I'm planning it. You're taught to walk around it and kind of like just have a conversation with them about it because they're more like to be open. Be all right. All those ads are always, they're like black and black and white. They're either yellow and black, all those cautions, danger, all those like really bright <laughs> yeah. eye-catching colors. It's like, if your friend's going to commit suicide, talk to them. If you feel sad, talk to them. You're like, but what if I'm just feeling a bit miserable or what if I just have no energy? What if I can't get up and go for a shower or brush my teeth, like I said earlier, but it's never aimed at like that. It's aimed at that kind of, like say that detrimental side, like in the middle of a mental breakdown. And it's said before, if you're in that state, the worst, the first thing you want to do isn't going to go, you know what, I'm going to go do some yoga. This will make me feel better. Or hi mate, just having a mental breakdown, talk to you in a bit. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, very much so, you know. And then uh, I suppose, you know, we're talking a lot about social media and there's only so much you can say in 180 characters or whatever it is. There's only so so much, you know, where you can get your point across or get people's attention in in it. Yeah, very true. As well, you know. So um, I suppose there is that that side of it. People are just using the tools that they have available to them to to try and get their message across, you know. um, Yeah, again, it's... um, yeah, it's good points and bad points, right? Good points and bad points of, no, definitely. of all of it. And um, yeah, the more of it's out there, I suppose, the more people are going to find it. Like, oh, so I don't know, yeah. know anything, mate. So like, even like the, the well-known advocates, you know, like the, you know, your Johnny Benjamins and Natasha Devons and all these sorts of people, never heard of yep. it. Never, never so much as read a book about it. You know, nothing at all. It was not on 
my radar at all. So I suppose the more of these things that are out there, whether it's a, a post or a or a tweet or whatever, then at least it's kind of um, at least it's normalising it, right? At least it's uh, yeah, definitely. Getting used to just even if you just scroll past it, at least you've seen it. I've got to admit, one of the, obviously that's a negative side, but one of the best adver- advertisements I've seen has been those when you're in the in the pub with your mates kind of thing. You're just chatting about stuff because I have walked into pubs, I've heard conversations. I'm thinking, what did that just come from? Those people kind of thing. I'm like, they're actually talking, and it gets you like kind of positive thinking it's happening. Like they're actually listening, they're talking to each other kind of thing. But then you compare that to obviously what you see on social media, and you think everything's all horrible you think no one's talking about it and you are right it's that kind of balancing of they're trying to get their point across but where are we kind of thing who is talking about it is it working and it is that you're right stigma is being reduced depression is a household name the household thing you can talk about now anxiety is a thing people are reaching out but it's all about that kind of progress towards talking about the more well less known things now you say borderline it's because we're looking at psychosis for example and seeing that people aren't necessarily as dangerous or as unpredictable or horrific as they are as the media represents and saying okay they're just people going for a bad time and i did see one advert on it i can't remember where i was but i saw a tv advert talking about psychosis and i was like that's incredible what <laughs> like there is there's someone out there making adverts for psychosis and i thought that was amazing because again being looking at social media stuff trying to find anything to do with psychosis awareness is always linked to people being abusive, manipulative, unpredictable, dangerous, and it comes into borderline, no, not borderline, sorry, dissociative identity disorder, then that goes into its own whole weird area of pseudoscience and pseudo-everything. But yeah, it was really good to see that kind of push towards something which people don't want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the ultimate way, isn't it, of normalising yep. the, um, the conversation, you know. I kind of, there's a, a, a charity near where I live on, on the Wirral called The Open Door, and they're a young person's yep. mental health support charity, right? So they work with young people between the ages of 11 and 30. And uh, where they do their therapy, so they've got like no waiting list at all, right? If you sign up wow. on Monday, you can be in therapy by the Friday. It's absolutely wow. wonderful. And, um, That's they, impressive. Yeah. And where they do the therapy, there is also um, a really, um, a really modern, vibrant, independent coffee shop, which is also sometimes used as an art gallery, is sometimes used as a gig venue. Um, wow. I did a, a live recording of my show there. Um, and it's and, and it's normalised. It's just absolutely normalised. There's loads of people and they're all sat around having coffee and cake and some of them might have just been for therapy. And, you know, even if you went there just for a coffee, you're going to see flyers for the therapy service. You're going to see, you know, examples of different things that they're, that they're doing. And it's just... A, that's, in, that's really cool. It's just blending, wow. right? And I've, that, that, to me, is how we do it, you know? It's, um, that's, no, that's... That, it's yeah, almost that's health, really... by, health by stealth. You know, sprinkling it around the... You the say that, places. but um, I can't remember which country it was, but they're introducing, like, talking cafes, and they I think they're called human libraries, so like wow. you have people with like, yeah, it's really cool. So like you have like 10 people lined up and they'll have like a picture card and you say, oh, this person has obsessive compulsive disorder. This person was homeless for two years. This person was this, this person. Was this. And you can just go up and have a chat with them and grab a coffee. Wow. And I thought that was amazing because you're basically showing one, these are people, two, they're in the real world and they're out there around you and three, you can just go talk to them about things and you shouldn't be scared to talk about these things that some people may hate to talk about like say homelessness is a massive thing like there's so much stigma for mental health and homelessness especially i live in an area where the homelessness rate is quite high i know people who work in the service and it's very much okay they're homeless they must have schizophrenia they're homeless they must have this and this and this but then you talk to someone who's homeless you're thinking 
you're just a normal person who's had a really bad chance. Something has gone wrong for you. And a lot of the times it's so random. It's something you can't control. And just acknowledging that one, they're a person and two, they just want that kind of little bit of support. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. I love the idea of a human library. That Honestly. Sounds, uh, that sounds amazing. I, I was I was going to see if I, I was getting contact with the university to get one set up, but the problem is is finding those people who then are willing to talk about it. I think it'd be a really cool idea. So it's a free stage library. You could have like different people talking and stuff like that. And I, I just saw it and I thought, this is such an amazing way to one look at stuff that someone may not even have heard of, kind of thing. Like if you show someone um, like obsessive compulsive disorder and obsessive compulsive personality disorder, they're two complete different things. But because they're so similar, you may not understand the differences. Or like bipolar and borderline, people get them so confused because the same same letters and stuff like that. But if you could talk to people and go, okay, what was your experience of it? Kind of like how has it made you feel and all that stuff, and just have a chill conversation about it, you will probably learn a distinction between them, or you will learn, okay, this is what this thing is, and you'll go, oh, people can have this, and that's it. And that's all it is. It's just something someone else may experience that you won't. Mate, yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, I know, uh, right? Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. Keep my eyes peeled for that one. It's, uh, yeah, it sounds cool. I th- it's prob- I think when I saw it, it was in one of the Scandinavian countries. Oh, it's always the there. Professor. They just do everything yeah. better, don't they? It's always the they Scandinavians. Do. Yeah. Yeah, they are very good for that kind of thing. Their mental health stuff's amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> so coming from a professional side of it, the way they do everything over there is just amazing. I'm not going to talk about anything in the NHS because then I'll just get frustrated. <laughs> but yeah, it's honestly, it's been really great having you on to come and talk about the stuff. Honestly, really interesting conversation. I'm also really amazed that you did the reverse of a lot of people in a sense that you started like headfirst into all this kind of therapy stuff and then got introduced to medication. And I'm really happy to hear kind of your journey with it because it does show that if you have those positive things that are going on and that medication, they can work together and you don't have to be terrified of this, like this, the doctor going, okay, just to let you know for the next first two weeks, your symptoms may get worse because it, unfortunately it's just something you have to cope with and having those things set in place, as you say, were really helpful and it did offset that kind of effect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I kind of like, I don't know, my, um, my meds, they like kicked in so so quick i think there's a part of me yep. that even thinks that you know there's an element of placebo in there as well you know definitely um, which I, definitely I care less about because it's the same result but um yeah exactly you know, there's a, a part of me that i was so desperate for help so so desperate for help and someone was able to give me something tangible and put it in my hand you know rather than therapy where you kind of just talk about stuff and just try and hope for the best so that you're going to unlock the thing. And just because you unlock the thing, it doesn't mean you can heal the thing, no. you know? Um, and I think, it, yeah, it just felt like something tangible that I could grab hold of. So I think that could be a factor. And like you say, yeah, I was doing a lot of other stuff around that. I don't think if I'd have just took medication, obviously everyone's different. That's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Medication that everyone is, it's a very individual choice. But um, yeah, for me, I think personally, if I just took medication, I'm not sure it would have had the same effect. Yeah. You know, I still, um, you know, now I'm in the process of tapering off it. So I'm trying really hard to make sure I'm eating well. You know, I'm exercising, I'm getting daylight, I'm getting nature, I'm meditating, I'm doing all the things, you know, I'm doing all the, to support it. Because rather than just say, oh, I'm going to come off my meds and start tapering off my meds and then the shit hits the fan and I start feeling sad again. Well, you know, then I'll look back and say, well, was it coming off the meds or because it was it because I wasn't eating vegetables and I was staying up all yeah, night. I was yeah, doing yeah. all the things, you know, like usually if I have a bad day, there's usually clues as to why when I look back over the weeks building up to the bad day. So, um, you know, the, yeah, mental health needs physical support. That's a, a favorite saying that I've picked Definitely. up along the way. And um, yeah, very much 
working that at the moment. I think that's a really great place to end it as well in a sense that for some people medication may be the the one thing they need that's the best thing ever or vice versa some people just won't need medication they'll just be great for therapy and some people need both but yeah honestly thanks for coming on so where can people find you? Um, at Proper Mental Podcast on all kind of social media platforms I'm more comfortable on Instagram I'm, I'm, I'm scared of Twitter if I'm being quite honest and, uh, Facebook I don't blame do you <laughs> Facebook doesn't do much for me either but I quite like Instagram um, or yeah www.propermentalpodcast.com and um, yeah there's links to there there's other bits that I've done there's stuff about me and it's most importantly all the episodes and all the people I've spoken to are all, all up there on the website brilliant well thanks for coming on and yeah cheers guys bye